everybody. Welcome back to another jam-packed edition of the Two Buck Sports Podcast. I am your co-host, Rusty Buckets, coming to you once again from Martin, Tennessee, on a night where a podcast is much needed. And as my co-host said, we got a tot hour to get this thing in. So welcome to the podcast, sir. Drew Gann, thanks for being here tonight, buddy. What is up, Buckets? I'm just, I'm still just tickled to death that you're in Central Time Zone with me now. God's time yes, zone. Uh, it has... You know, Christmas is in four days. We're recording this the night of December the 21st in the year of our Lord, 2023. Four days from Christmas. And I'm telling you, this week has dragged. Let me tell you. Uh, I know you're still getting, you've got new job stuff. I'm sure you're swamped and and you've got, you feel like you're drinking from a water hose. It may may feel like your days fly by just because there's not enough time to, you know, to get anything done. But for me, it has dragged this week because you know you've got a, you're looking down the barrel of a four day weekend, and you just can't get here quick enough. Yeah. I got a four day weekend coming up, and for me, it's not it's it's dragging because I ain't got no patience. I'm the new PT. I'm I'm training, so I'm a full time therapist right now. Before I start taking over some other duties, you know, as I grow within the company, but like. Right now, man, I'm just trying to get people to show up. Yesterday, I had four new evals yesterday afternoon between two and from at two, three, four, and five, and the three o'clock showed up. Everybody else canceled because of sickness or whatever. It's that time of the year in the therapy world where everybody cancels, but like that makes for some long days. Today was better. I was a little bit busier, and then went to lunch with some coworkers at Yamato here in Martin. Uh, you have yeah, one of those we there do, too. and we all about two o'clock all hit that wall. Um, from that all that rice that we ate, but it was good. But the days are just dragging on, like you said, especially with a four day weekend coming up. Got some big, exciting plans, and it just doesn't feel like it's ever going to get here. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you have no patience in two ways. Hundred <laughs> percent. You know 100%. what I'm saying? Uh, and so yeah, I'm excited. I love Christmas. It's well, it's been well documented on this podcast how I love Christmas. I love everything that goes around. I like buying gifts for my kids. I like hanging the lights on the tree, wrapping presents, uh, the whole nine yeah. yards, the Christmas tree cakes. I'm just a, a big fan of Christmas. However, when you get to this time of Christmas season, my bank account starts screaming, please be yeah. open, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, you're broke and you're just now starting the holidays. It's like, okay, well, you know, maybe it's almost you, – you have, like, Christmas tax returns coming mm-hmm. in, you know. Like, maybe all, grandma's cash coming in will float me to the next paycheck, yeah. you know. And so, uh, it this is – it is truly the most wonderful time of the year, if I, if you give me the allowance to be a little corny. I do love <laughs> I it. I love the way my house looks. I love the way the tree looks and the, all the presents under the tree. But I am ready. You know, it's just like a long vacation, yeah. you know. You go – in the summertime for seven days to the beach or whatever. And about day four or five, you're just like, this has been a lot of fun. But, you know, home doesn't sound too mm-hmm. bad. It normalcy does not sound too bad. Yeah. That's the that's the, the portion of Christmas we're yeah, at now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm just glad it's finally here. It's been a long time coming. I've, I, again, like you said, I'm staring down the barrel of a four-day weekend, looking forward to getting away for a few days. Uh, I've already, I, you know, I can watch one of my favorite movies without judgment. I've already watched Christmas Vacation once, and we'll be watching it again this weekend. Uh, just it, it, it's, it, it sums up the holiday season so well for me, and I laugh. Yeah. It's one of those things, like, I'm always going to belly laugh at it. I can't not, you know, watch always. it and not laugh at the always. same lines that you and I quote throughout the year. It's still funny. It's still great. Um, you know, 
I didn't tell you this. Um, I don't think I told you this. Tuesday night, maybe I did. Uh, packed up the family and went to Oxford for the Ole Miss basketball game. No, you didn't. Yeah. So my dad, who is on record saying I just don't like basketball, uh, has found his uh, found his love for basketball amongst the Ole Miss Rebels undefeated start to the regular season sure. here in 2023. Uh, it's crazy. You know, it just goes to prove that we all just cheer for laundry. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. You know, I say the same thing for the Olympics. Put the stars and bars on something. I want to cheer yeah. for it. You know, same way with Ole Miss. And my dad has has learned that hard lesson that you just don't speak in absolutes. You don't say I don't like basketball until you until you have to put your money where your mouth is when the Ole Miss basketball team is really yeah. good to start the year. So he wanted to go. So we bought tickets. I think they're like seven bucks a piece uh, to go down and watch them play Troy Tuesday night in uh, in Oxford. And so we took the family down there, and I was really torn almost, and it's a topic we're going to get to in a minute. I almost said no because at 6.30 Tuesday night, John Morant made his return. And so we're getting to it. We're getting to it. Uh, and uh, But for the sake of family time and uh, something we don't do very often, I agreed to go, and, uh, and it was an early tip. It was a 6 o'clock tip. But what really pushed me over the edge is I got online – and it was Christmas vacation night mm. at the Pavilion in Oxford, Mississippi, mm. for the Ole Miss game. So in commercial breaks and stuff, they were playing clips from uh, Christmas oh, vacation. That's awesome. We didn't get there early enough, but like the first 500 fans got Christmas vacation, Ole Miss Christmas. Oh ornaments. my gosh! And uh, and so we didn't, we weren't able to get them, but uh, and they weren't. I mean, I mean, I mean yeah. it wasn't something I was dying. I saw them, and they were like, it was just like the little blue ball with a with a station wagon with a tree on top uh, of it, yeah. you know? And so, uh, you know, it was just – it was a big time. But it really put me in the season again. I have I only watch Christmas Vacation one time a year, and it's at my mom's house on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. And so I'm looking forward to it. I have not uh, broke the seal in 2023 yeah. yet, but it's yeah, coming. coming. I mean, you still laugh at the same lines. Got a great kick out of it. And it just really jump-started that Christmas fever for me, and I'm glad that it's here and – Glad that uh, we're getting that downtime. Any Christmas memories that come to mind? I know this is putting you on the spot, but any like fun, favorite, funny Christmas memories that come to mind? Oh yeah, there was this one, and it comes up every single family function. Uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it more PG rated for this podcast. Uh, but so my grandpa, my Papa Joe, um, you knew him. Everybody knew him. He was. The only grandfather I had. My other one died when uh, I was five years old. And so my Papa Joe, you know, he was my next door neighbor. Uh, and uh, he was the the old style yep. man. You know, they don't make him like this anymore. He was the silent type. When he spoke, everybody shut up. He always commanded a room. He was a very small fellow. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But he would command a room. We, we I've talked about Saturday morning breakfast on this podcast several times. Uh, we used to have it every single Saturday morning, and it's a chaos. Yeah. Chaos. Grandkids, great-grandkids, my Aunt Sandy, just everybody shooting their mouth off at the same time around the table. And that man would just slowly raise his hand in the air like this right here, and everybody would shut yeah. up. And you knew that it was time to pray or he had something to say. Yeah. Well, Christmas time came around, uh, and we do my grandma's Christmas on the 23rd of every year. And this was probably the year before he died, maybe – two years before he died and um he was not getting around good at all he had some fluid on the brains he kind of it, it resulted in him shuffling his feet he fell a lot and um 
he was just he was becoming of age to where like my grandpa lived a long life and he just died of old age. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you will dream right. to be. But that's what was taking place at this time. It was a it was a gradual descent based on nothing else other than you're just getting old. And um so he was just getting old on us and uh he was always pretty feisty. Uh he was always witty and everything, but uh he would you know, grow up you hear stories about how he'd whip his kids and spank his kids, but you didn't spank his grandkids, not in front of him. And so my brother-in-law, Cade, uh, they had the first, uh, well, the second great-grandkid. And my niece, Lila, she's nine now, about to be ten. makes me feel really old. But Lila was probably two-ish, um, and she, all the grandkids were kind of, great-grandkids were kind of sitting around the middle, and they'd all gotten a present, and... A lot of the presents were the same. Like they got the same gift for the girls and the same gift in for the boys. In different colors, right? That's yeah. how we got it. And so, so she was playing with her gift, and my other, my cousin's kid had grabbed her had grabbed Lila's gift away from Lila. An honest mistake kids make. You know, they just all started grabbing each other's gifts, and Lila just throws an absolute fit. And so, Cade, my brother-in-law, uh, walks over there, and she's in the middle of the living room. My Papa Joe's in his chair. He snatches her up real quick, takes her out the front door. We all know what's about to happen. And he's, she's about to get worn out. She's acting mm-hmm. a fool right here in front of God and family. And she's about to get a butt whooping. No harm, no foul in our right. family. You know, Turns out that was not what he was doing. He was just getting, eliminating the chaos from the situation. But to everybody's point of view, he had just snatched that kid, snatched that kid up. And she was about to go get her tail mm-hmm. torn up. At that point, my Papa Joe, who does not move well, does not walk well, he's in a walker, starts this. He's in his rocket chair, and he starts this, getting his momentum up. If you see me on the YouTube, you'll know. You, you can tell. He just, you know, getting that momentum up, rocking, rocking, finally gets enough momentum to get him up, standing up, and he's just basically falling towards the door, just chasing after Kate. And Kate does not even realize what's going on. He closes the door behind him, and, and we had got to Papa Joe before he got to the door. You know, <laughs> To Cade's benefit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so Victoria, my sister, it just tears her up that Papa Joe has gotten upset at Cade over Lila, and so she goes out the other way and just like, well, just Cade, just take a minute, you know, nobody's blaming you for spanking Lila, but it really upset Papa Joe. Well, that flew all over Cade, but and so Cade comes in and is like, no one's gonna tell me how to raise my kids. And Papa Joe said, you ain't spanking her in my house. And he said, well, we won't come back. And Christmas was over. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, and so the, that's that's the story that leads up to the funny part. So a year or so, two years later, Papa Joe passed away. His old age caught up to him. He, he died peacefully in his home. Nobody was even that sad. You know, you love it when your grandparents get to the age to where right. they die peacefully and you're not really sad. It's more like a relief. You know, I think I've even talked about it on this podcast before. Um, and, uh, so Papa Joe went to be with the Lord and at his funeral, all of the grandsons and grandsons-in-law were the pallbearers and we were kind of standing outside greeting people. And, uh, (laughs) uh, we look, uh, we look over at Cade and Cade wasn't there when Papa Joe died and all the grandsons were. And I just looked at Cade and I said, Cade, we never told you this, hadn't told you this, hadn't figured out a good way to say it yet, but Papa Joe on his deathbed he was kind of struggling to breathe, and with his last words, you know what he said? And Kay was like, what? And he said, 
Papa Joe with his last words said, I wish I'd have whooped Kay's ass someday. <laughs> <laughs> totally not true. He would never say that ever. But Cade was just like, are you serious? Are you, are you <laughs> so, serious, Clark? So like every family function we we have, it's like, Cade, you remember what Papa Joe's last words were? <laughs> That's hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah, what about you? That was a long story, but now you you, you have to tell a story. Yeah, mine will be much briefer. So my one of my favorite Christmas memories, uh, I was probably in – fourth or fifth grade and <clears throat> I'm an early riser anyway but on Christmas morning I was sleeping in a little bit this was probably like 6 15 6 30 which for me is sleeping in still to this day anyway mama comes in there and she shakes me awake and she said Rusty <clears throat> I need you to go outside before your father kills himself and I'm like what <laughs> all right so I, I roll out of bed I, she's like get get dressed and put some good shoes on I'm like okay so I get dressed and I put my shoes on and I walk outside and I'm like mom Dad's not here. I don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> in our house, we used to live out uh, Farmington Road next to the Roaches, friend of the podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, Amy Roach-Smith, shout out, teacher at uh, Alcorn Central High School, it was our next door neighbor. And we had this long gravel driveway that was gravel behind the carport and we had our basketball goal out there. And I'm like, Mom, I don't see Dad. And all of a sudden, around the right side of the house, you just hear, whoa! <laughs> And here comes my dad, smiling from ear to ear, screaming in a full-on power slide in a go-kart, just through the gravel, past the house, and he's going back past the other side. I look at mom, I'm like, what is that? And she's like, it's supposed to be for you and your brother, but I can't get him out of it. And Pops was just making laughs around that house. He probably, he probably yeah. made six good power slide laps before he finally stopped and let me drive it. Did I ever tell you the story about when we got go-karts for Christmas? So. so we all lived on the same road. You know, me and Kurt and David and Hunter, we all all my first cousins, we all lived on the same road. So one Christmas, all of our parents got together and bought us matching go-karts. Yeah. And so, just like you, I wake up in the morning, Mom and Dad's like, go outside, and there's a go-kart sitting in there. My dad wasn't driving it, lapped around the house, but it was sitting there. And it was cold this this Christmas morning. And so, you've been to my parents' house. There's a, a, we built a house in a cattle pasture. There's long fence rows going down either side of the driveway where cattle graze and whatnot. And we live off the road a little piece. Well, Dad said, well, hop in, son. You want to drive it? I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. And so, he's like, all right. Now, keep your foot on the brake. I'm going to go around back, pull, crank it up, and then you can take it for a spin. All right, cool. Foot on the brake. That's the left mm -hmm. one, right, Dad? Yeah, it's on the left. All right, both feet on the brake. Uh, he pulls up, that thing starts jumping, like like you're pressing the accelerator and the brake at the same mm -hmm. time. And he's like, he cuts it off. He said, you're pushing the wrong pedal. He said, you need to push the one on the left. I said, Dad, it's on the left. He cranks it again. This thing starts jumping. He turns it off. He's mad mm -hmm. at this point. He don't. He, this kid does not know his right from his <laughs> left. And so he's like, get out. So he, so he's like, I'm just going to do it then. I'm going to crank it, and then I'm going to run and jump in the driver's oh, no. seat, and I'll show you how to do it. He cranks that sucker up, and off <laughs> she goes. <laughs> and just down the driveway, and it's, you know, it's got the pool noodles up the side, the roll cage and whatnot. And he tries to dive in, and he doesn't – he's not running fast <clears> enough, so – he gets hold of the steering wheel and runs over his other arm and he just yanks the, yanks the steering wheel and it goes the other direction. Off she blows, up the fence, tore all the pool noodles off the front of it, scratched it up. <laughs> and he was just like, son, I think you're uh, 
I think your accelerator was frozen into the accelerator position. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah I, I think, think so, so too. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, unless they're supposed to just, yeah. you know, this isn't a self-propelled go-kart. <laughs> is it? Like, a, like a, push a push mower. mower yeah. Like, no, something's wrong. That. And so I rode, I drove the go-kart Christmas morning to my Aunt Sandy's house for breakfast, and it's already damaged. They're like, what yeah. happened to yours? And I was like, Dad ran it up the so fence. So our go-kart – We'd had about a month, and I had one of my elementary school best friends, John Shoemaker, his dad's buddy Shoemaker. He's the yoked postman that walks around downtown Corinth. You know what I'm talking about. Looks like Mr. Clean, bald, muscle dude. His son, John, and I were best friends in elementary school. And John came over and rode with me for like an hour, and I kept trying to get him to drive. I'm like, John, you got to drive it. He's like, no, nah, man, I don't think I can. I'm like, John, you, you're going to love it. You got to drive it. No, nah, man, I don't think I can. I finally talked him into driving his go-kart, <clears throat> and on his second lap, we come around, that third turn there at Talladega, and he gets loose in the gravel. And I think, oh, no. <laughs> oh, and we kind of like fishtail and kind of swerve, and it, it bites. And when it did, it caught and oh. shot us straight into the post in the carport. And we had this like little bumper bar oh. on the front, and it just caved it right in. And we came so far up that I had to grab the post <laughs> – and then we sat down because we're at full speed. Did it damage the post? No, the post is fine. Shout out to whoever oh, built great. it. But it yeah. just caved in that little bumper bar on the front. And John looks at me and goes, I am never driving again. And I said, okay. <laughs> and then he never drove it yeah. again. I'm, you're right. And you're then not. that go-kart <laughs> lasted about six years. And we beat the mortal crap out of that thing. Oh, yeah. Until my cousin Mary, not friend of the podcast, shout out to Mary anyway. <clears throat> Drives it up a tree at Mimi's house. Mimi lived off of Farmington Road behind the Farmington Water Department. Had a million trees in her yard. Same thing. Got loose in the gravel. And I remember watching this thing. She, her and Amy Roach, again, were in it. And hit that tree. And it goes straight up the tree. Like, it kind of gets some clearance oh, before yeah. coming back down on the motor. Cartoon. And it yeah. never ran again. Or I beat that go kart. Never do it. <laughs> yeah. So, that was... Uh... That's our favorite Christmas And speaking stories. of early, we've uh, talked about Christmas yeah. long enough. No offense to the Christmas out there, but Christmas came early if you're a Memphis Grizzly fan. I've waited long enough to talk about oh, this. Oh, yeah. One, Demetrius Jamel Morant is back playing competitive basketball. And not only that, he drops a 34-piece on uh, in his debut on our division rivals, the New Orleans Pelicans, who had a great game. C.J. McCollum couldn't freaking miss there for a while. And not only that, but then gets the game-winning bucket and runs down the hallway saying, I got the time, and I kept receipts, and I'm friggin' here yeah. for it, man. Call 12. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, we, we beat around the bush long enough, and so did the Grizzlies. <laughs> the Grizzlies played 25 basketball games this season before Tuesday night, and I'll be honest with you, not a one of them was exciting, yeah. was fun to watch, I mean, you went six and nineteen, and, and it's to start the season, and and to get job back, it was so nice for people the world because Grizzlies fans everywhere were like, just get through twenty five games. It. We've got job, and he's coming back. But it seemed like the rest of the world forgot, yes. and that's what he's talking about. All those receipts, the rest yes. of the world forgot how good that this he man is. is. When him. you get mired, he is him. When you get mired in that kind of controversy. And it spans a whole off season. It's one thing if this happened earlier in the season, you spend 25 games, and you're back in the same season. You're going to see that with Draymond. Right now, everybody wants to talk about Draymond's antics. But he's going to come back in the same season, and it'll be about what happened this season when you're looking right. back. Last year's season ended with controversy. And, and then, well, it's, 
he had controversy towards the end of the season, came back, and then dug himself, made the same mistake again right after the season was over. And he went eight months without playing basketball. And all the for eight months, the only thing the media was talking about was how poor of a decision, the character flaws of Jamel, of John Morant. And you saw that people would just seem like that's the talking points on Ja. We have forgotten as a society how amazing Ja Morant is as a basketball player. You saw that bear out in those stupid, meaningless player rankings and the yes. coming into the preseason. Yes. They were just disrespectful, and they were they were grading Ja based on publicity. A mistake. Publicity. They, they were they were letting his off the field mistake. As bad as it was, and it was bad, they were letting that affect how they good of a basketball player they think yeah. he is. You know, the Grizzlies could not have had a worse start to the season. They started six and nineteen in their twenty five games without Ja, and everybody just wrote off the Grizzlies. ESPN like, gave us a less, no way. ESPN gave us less than a two percent chance of making the playoffs with Ja coming back. But and everybody had just written them exactly. off. Base, and I know it's a whole, and it's a whole preseason that I did not think we would be in. I thought the pieces outside of Jaw were good enough to to stay afloat much better than they and, were, and I was wrong about really, that. But but when they when you were talking about John Morant coming back, everybody had just assumed the fact and then written the fact the Grizzlies out of the playoff picture, out of the play in picture. And there is a large mountain to climb, but if you saw one thing Tuesday night in a 24-point first-half deficit, that John Morant is still that dude who it does. you can drop him on the Detroit Pistons tomorrow and they will compete yeah. for the playoffs in the East. His, I don't care who you, how bad your supporting cast is, John Morant elevates yeah. everybody on his team and he has the ability to take over and win games by himself. And to further, you know, prove that point, like you said, his right hand now says him, and that and that's who he is. John Morant is one of one. He is him. But what has been so like it's been so mind-numbingly frustrating is we've gotten some of the best basketball of Jaron Jackson Jr.'s career. He's averaging 28 points a game right now. Dez has had monster games. He's got the the, the his best season. Yeah, of the he, career he has 49 points in a game this year, which is the second highest in franchise history by or third highest in franchise history behind Jaws 52 and Jaws 50, and he's at 49, right. tied with also John Morant. So what that tells me is like <clears throat> we've been getting big minutes from Trip and from Dez. We've just been missing Ja. When you're throwing out guys like we've been throwing out in Kenny Lofton Jr. and Big Body Roddy and Zaire Williamson, who is trash. Like yeah, he's, he's so bad. bad. And like we've been throwing out these guys, getting these monster nights from Trip and Dez, but we still can't win. Like now that we got Ja, and then you get twenty eight from Jaron, you get thirty from Dez, you get thirty or four from Ja, we fit to go on a tear. Yeah, again, and it's it's the sum of all parts. You would hope when Jaws out that the the sum is greater than all Because last year, the last parts. year when you know he what missed I'm for injury, we won a ton right. of games because we had Stones Jones. We had guys that were stepping up. Yeah, Tyus was We don't huge. have those guys anymore, and that's, you know, that's a slight on the front office. I want to talk about Taylor Jenkins in a few minutes, but it's some, that's some knocks against him and some schemes. But, but right yeah, now we're, we're talking about how much better we're finna be with Ja back in the lineup. 
And it, it, he is a difference maker. Because just like watching we were on the floor last night, he creates spacing for guys like Jaron and Biombo down in the post. And there were so many times that he would drive and kick. I know you were at the ball game. You didn't get to watch it. I watched the vast majority of it. I did watch the second half on the drive home. I watched yeah. the vast majority of it. And Ja's just so good at getting to the hoop and either finishing or then finding Dez in the corner or finding Jaron at, right. at the low block or finding somebody else and, and, and facilitating more points. Ja makes our – he is the gas that makes our offense go. Whether he's scoring, whether or not – or he's facilitating. And, Latin, like, my favorite part, though, was the post-game interview when they asked him about that last play, and he was like, Dez, you need to get the ball. And Dez was like, if no, you getting the ball. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just the perfect scenario. Like, you've got – there's superstar players. There's – okay, there's a level. They're all-star players, really good players. The one that comes to mind for me, the two that come to mind, James Harden, Kyrie sure. Irving. They are amazing basketball players, but they are all-star players. They are <laughs> elite stat makers, but they have yet to, when they're the best player on a team, lead a team to great right. heights. Ja is a superstar player. He's a guy that you can put on any team, and he will lift every player around him. His unselfish play is... In his the way that he can distribute, as well as how he can just get to the mm. bucket, and it, we've talked about this on this podcast on this season. What we miss most about Ja was when there were run, when teams made runs, he could stop them by 100%. himself. He was get down, get downhill the same way you saw with that with nine seconds to go in the fourth quarter in a tie game. He it was Ja iso ball. They put Herb Jones on him three <laughs> possessions in yeah. a row in the last minute of the game. Their best defender, their best one-on-one wing perimeter defender that they have, that they are proud mm-hmm. of. They are proud of Herb sure. Jones, and they should right. be. But John made him look Cooked. like chopped Cooked. liver three times in a Cooked. row, and that's what he provides. He provides yes. a stability. He provides, and he is an offense in himself. Mm-hmm. He <clears> can drive, kick. He's he has incredible assists. He's got eyes in the back of his head. I mean. For me to go on and on about the greatness of John Morant, it's it's like I'm preaching to the choir, and it's like, of course you're going to say that. What people would say to me, of course I'm going to say that. But like, just watch yeah. it, man. And you cannot. It, it is the NBA and in, people that cover the NBA did a disservice to the Memphis Grizzlies yes. by assuming that this season was over when they went six and nineteen and di- downplaying the importance. All you Morant. gotta do is watch ESPN. I, I I made it was I said that on purpose earlier. They gave us less than a two percent chance of making the playoffs because the very next day Stephen A. Smith on for on his show said John Morant's gonna take this team to the playoffs. Kendrick Perkins said John Morant's got the Grizzlies back. The tune changed so much overnight to exactly what we knew. All of us on Grizz Twitter, all of us that are in the mud with this team, we knew what was gonna happen. Get through twenty five. There was a countdown on Twitter that Anthony Sane and different guys that were running, they would show you how many – Like I love Anthony Sane's because it would say like 20 mo, 15 mo, faux mo. Like you knew what was coming. Um, And we knew what was going to happen. We knew that when Jai got back that this was going to be a completely different ball team, that this team was going to be lethal offensively, that this team was going to be a tough out. We'll know more about it in about three hours after we play, or probably longer than that, maybe four hours. We play the Indiana Pacers tonight. They're a good basketball team. They're a great Eastern Conference team. They score at a high rate, and, and nothing against the Pelicans. They're a decent basketball team, but we'll know more tonight. Plus, 
This is Ja's first game back at the Grindhouse. He is on B. He is at, yeah. he is at one, 100 B. He's Street going tonight. for 60 tonight. Ja is I was yeah. just about to say, Ja is going to set a franchise record for points tonight because he's going to be feeling it. And when Ja Morant's feeling it, there is not anybody on this planet that can stop him right now because when he's feeling it, he's making those mid-range jumpers. He's hitting those Mike Conley floaters. He is dunking all over your seven-foot center. Ja does not miss when he is feeling it. And tonight's going to be one of those nights. I might be wrong, but I just don't think that Laurie Markin and these guys are going to have enough horses. Tyler Heidelberg, like, I don't think these guys are going to have enough horses to be able to compete with our guys tonight. I might be wrong, but I think the Grizz win in a big fashion tonight on our first game back at the FedEx Forum with Josh starting. T's going to be courtside. D-Tap is gone. Thank God. But the Grizz are going to win in big, big fashion tonight. And it's going to be on the back of John Morant because Ja carries his team. Again, <clears throat> I said we're going to get to him here in a minute. Taylor Jenkins has struggled this season. You know, we've uh, – no, I don't want to hear it. I'll get your point out, then I'll rebut. I'm sorry. I got emotional. I like, I like Taylor Jenkins. We've been a pro-Taylor Jenkins podcast this whole time. You and I had a bitter argument one night. About we have not been a pro Taylor Jenkins podcast. I have been pro Taylor Jenkins co-host. You have been a hater at least sixty five percent. We had of the a time. bitter argument one night at like one in the morning about Taylor Jenkins. So the scheming is like I get the talent that he's had. I get that. Like it has been subpar outside of two players, three players, maybe four if you count D Rose and Marcus Smart. But every single night, <clears throat> a team is having their season high field goal percentage against us. At some point, that stops being luck, and that starts being scheming. I understand the talent hasn't been there, but you have to make adjustments. We've ran the same daggum plays every week. We've ran the same daggum defense every week, and we're getting cooked week after week after week. I'm not saying that Taylor Jenkins needs to be fired. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just, start, I'm just wanting to start the conversation that maybe Taylor Jenkins isn't the coach that we think he is. Are you done? I'm done. This is the most asinine oh thing gosh. I've ever heard. Oh, my gosh. We have just spent 30 minutes talking about the importance of John Moran and that the reason that this team is 6-19 and 19 in the first 25 games is because there's no John Moran. And now John Morant comes back and wins the game, and you want to comp- say that now the problem is Taylor I've been Jenkins. saying Taylor Jenkins is a problem all along. But it's not a Taylor Jenkins problem. It's, he's part of the problem. Was, if you're no, saying he's not no, a part listen, of the problem, listen, then we listen, need to talk no, about Santa I'm, Claus. I am a hundred percent saying he's not part of the problem. Because if you look on our offensive number, if you look at our offense and you watch these Grizzlies games, every single three point shot that the Grizzlies take is wide freaking open, and nobody. And then makes the same it. thing on the Taylor other end. Jenkins, the same thing do you is you on want the Taylor other Jenkins end. to no, shoot the I three. I want Taylor Jenkins. Would you rather have Taylor Jenkins shoot? Or Desmond Bain I want shoot. Taylor Jenkins to set up a scheme on the other end that every single one of them is, believe, is wide open. I cannot even believe that we are talking about this. We are at the high point of our career, and you're getting on this podcast and just being the biggest freaking wet no, blanket in the I'm world. not at all. Can we not enjoy anything? I just said we're going to make a run. I mean, good grief. We're going to make a run to the playoffs, no. and it's going to be on the back no. of John Morant, not Taylor Jenkins. You, if we make it to the playoffs, I, heaven forbid, when we're at our highest peak, of the, we thought that – Tuesday was the peak, and we make the get in the playoff. Say we we go un, we go fifty seven and zero. You're going to have something to complain about about Taylor. What Jenkins. this is going to show is that we're winning because of John Morant, not Taylor Jenkins. Taylor Jenkins did nothing. There is Greg Popovich could come and coach <laughs> that bunch of dudes without John Morant, and the score, the record would be the exact. I don't know, dude. Same. I don't know, man. <sighs> that that bent, our wings are trash outside of Desmond Bain. 
and our bigs are trash outside of if outside of Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm just trying I to don't s- really know what you want. I don't know what you want Taylor to I do. I want him to scheme, but like get guys in position. Like guys are out of position. The other team has coaches too, Rusty. Man, I just do you want, I'm not saying you, the dude needs to I be mean, fired. I'm just saying that the players we, the players suck. <laughs> I don't really know what you want him to do. They won't make open shots and they give up too many open shots. It is rotation failure. Okay. That's Fix what the you, rotation. Change what, the rotation. We're running the same daggum no, rotation not, every week. I'm not week. talking about no, I'm not talking about player rotation like like lineups and minutes. I'm talking about defensive rotations. They can't get it right. And, and at some point and you see Taylor Jenkins screaming and cussing every game down the sidelines, it's because they are failing. It's because it is then, because they cannot figure out how to play. Then you defense. need to spend an and entire you need to spend an entire not, practice just I'm working on making, that because we're obviously not because we're not making any difference. We're not making any changes. And, Nothing is changing. And that Pelicans team scored 113 points in the NBA today. That is a smashing success. <laughs> smashing. Okay. And so, listen, you fail to. Everybody wants to pile on coaches when it's bad. And give players praise when it's good. Taylor Jenkins deserves just as much praise when the team is good as John Morant and everybody else does. And he and John Morant deserves, and the superstars on this team deserve just as much anguish as Taylor Jenkins when the team is bad. But let me tell you this: C.J. McCollum, on two different occasions down the stretch in that game Tuesday night, missed a three worst than I've ever seen a player miss a three wide open in my life. If he makes both of those threes and the Grizzlies lose, is it Taylor Jenkins' fault? He missed those. But so we cannot say ball in the air. If he makes it, Taylor's a good coach. If he misses it, Taylor's a bad coach. It's not fair. The coaches put it out there. If John misses that layup and the Grizzlies lose in overtime, is Taylor Jenkins now a bad coach because we lost? Because that's the only way this thing works when amongst fans and amongst media. Players, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, get all the credit when they win, and no one wants to blame the players when they lose. It's always Taylor. Then Jenkins. do we need to have a conversation? Then do we need to have a conversation about the front office? Because we have I we've think, missed on LaRavia. I think it's we've fair. missed on Zaire. Th- we've missed on so many I guys. I do think it's fair. I do think that is fair. If you want to say that they have they swung and missed a lot. They swung and missed on Zaire. They missed on LaRavia. The only thing they seem they've hit on lately is Vince Williams, and he's been incredible. And he's like 5'6". But, <laughs> but, again, again, I'm just going to stop this conversation right in this track and wonder why in the world you're being so negative at the first <laughs> chance we have to be happy this year. You are throwing the biggest wet blanket in the world. Like, I don't even want to talk about the Grizzlies because you're just going to talk no. about how poorly they are coached despite this coach being in his sixth, fifth season at the Grizzlies and he's never missed the playoffs in the last two years. He has been – we have been the two seed despite having lots of games missed by all of our superstars. All of this other stuff the last two years, having the two seed the last two years, despite having more games missed by starters in the NBA – is the only thing I need to hear about regarding Taylor Jenkins. Because despite John Morant being injured several times, and Jaron Jackson Jr. being injured several times, and Desmond Bain being injured several times, he has made it work every single year. 
I don't care about game-to-game coaching. You look at – we have a sample size here that is five years. Mm-hmm. There is not one thing in the five years that you can point to as a pattern with Taylor Jenkins. You can say, in this game, he should have done this. But as a whole, Grizzlies fans everywhere just need to accept that if Taylor Jenkins is our coach for the next ten years, then we will have a top seven, five to seven coach in the NBA for the next ten years. Two Bucks Sports Podcast fans. You're welcome. That was the point of this whole conversation, was to get Drew no, fired no. up, talking about no, – no, I swear it was. It was. <laughs> and it worked like a charm. You do this. I do this all the time, it, but you cue you up, man. So, Taylor Jenkins has made – you're right. And I prove you wrong. No. When I prove you wrong, you say, I just did that just to get you Taylor going. Jenkins has proven. No, you had a bad take, and I proved you wrong. Taylor Jenkins has proven wrong, over the last five years right. that he's a good coach. This year – has not been his. He was without John Moran. Not been his best year. Was all I was trying to say. I'm just trying to have a conversation about Taylor Jenkins. Listen, I will say this, and if you want to put it on somebody, and and they made a long term decision for a short term problem, and it may work out swimmingly, but the problem with us starting six and nineteen this year is because we don't have Tyus Jones. Yeah. That's a that was a front office decision. Mm-hmm. It can ju- I mean, I know for a fact Taylor Jenkins is, is involved in personnel, and that was – Tyus Jones was going to command more money. Yeah. And with Ja not being on the max, Dez being on the max, and Jaron being on a really big contract, you can't afford, like, having your sixth man making $15 million sure. a year. And But if that's, that's, that's the port, part that – the Grizzlies are going to have to learn to adapt to mm-hmm. because now you've got to figure out how to do less with more. Yep. I mean, more with yep. less. And, and, and basically what it boils down to is like, it's John Morant and him coming back. He's going to need, like he's going to have some help um, from Jaron and Dez. But the biggest thing is getting job back. Jaw coming back is going to what's be what turns the season around. Not anything else. It is on the back of 12. That's what's going to turn the season around because he's going to be the one that's going to be the catalyst of this offense. He's going to be the driving force behind this. It falls squarely on the back of 12. So now we're happy. I'm just saying it falls on 12. Not everybody else. That's on 12. 12 is going to drive whether this season ends up being a success or not, and I'm a firm believer that it's going to be. I think we have a real shot at making the playoffs, at least in the play-in, because of one John Let's Morant. Look at the standings right now. I just pulled this up. So, right now, the Grizzlies are in 13th place in the West out of 15. Below them, tied with them, uh, is Portland, and San Antonio's got four Mm -hmm. wins. Uh, The Grizzlies are 13 games back of first place. And so, if that's your goal, then there you go. Um, More attainable, though, you are six and a half games back of Phoenix. Uh, That's the 10 seed. And the 6 seed, you are eight and a half games back. So, and you've got... 56 games remaining. And so, um, it's all in front yeah. of you. I mean, you you look at this every year, and especially down the stretch, you get post-All-Star game, these, these teams with superstars uh, who have high usage rates get injured, and you've got long stretches where, where other teams start missing their star players. So, you hope that down the road, you hit your incline, you hit your stride as other teams, and you don't root for injuries, but it's mm-hmm. inevitable – but that teams above you, you know, start getting banged up or start getting in those doldrums of the season and just, you know, you've got your rest and you've got, you know, it, it's hard to put together 82 games of full effort. And so 
you've took you've taken 25 games mm-hmm. off. You know, you've you've done the best you can for 25 games. You've stayed healthy. You've tried to keep your other guys healthy. I think they've slow played Marcus mm-hmm. Smart. I think for sure they've slow played Luke Kennard. Uh, and so you get your the Grizzlies, unlike any other team in the NBA, are getting their horses back right yep. now. And there's no reason to think that you're not going to steadily climb. Um, I saw Chris Vernon. He said in his in the 57 games, he thinks they go 37 and 20. That's really ballsy, but that's on par with what the Grizzlies' record are has sure. been ever since John Morant's been there. You know, they've been the two seed. They've been 15, 20 games above 500 to end the season every single. One year. of the biggest things that's going to change for us getting Ja back is we always defend home court really well. Over the last two seasons, we've had the best record in home basketball games in the NBA. This year we're one and eleven at the FedEx Forum. One and eleven, right. and that's one thing that Ja will fix is correcting that record. We're, well, I not just think that you're just going to be a better team, right. anyways. I mean, you know, they finished last season. They played forty-two games or forty-one games at home. They went thirty-five and six, mm-hmm. I believe, last season. Best record, home record in Grizzlies history. The best home record in the NBA last yeah. year. Um, I don't think that they're going to go say, you know. 25 and 5, mm-hmm. you know, down the stretch at home. But you're going to win more games than you lose as long as right. you continue to stay healthy. And it's not an easy road. One we've we've got watch. a we've got a couple tough games coming up. We've got the Pacers and the Hawks, but then we play the Pelicans, Nuggets, Clippers, Kings and back-to-back-to-back games. That's a tough stretch and nobody's hotter than the Clippers uh, right. right now. And James Harden is cooking right now. And so we've got some tough games coming up, but if again, these are all games that would have been guaranteed losses a month ago. Now, right. we're going to be competitive in every single one of these games, and if we can start getting some wins in our, under our belt, this team's going to get dangerous. Yeah, and it's it was part of my beef when you started hearing last Tuesday night, Twitter was ablaze, NBA players all over the place, uh, commentators, uh, you know, those people who, who get paid to talk about sports but don't ever watch any sports, those mm-hmm. guys, just so like, oh, Jaws back. It's like, yeah, have you forgotten? Yeah. Like, this is He's that dude. You know, he is one of the seven greatest players in right. the NBA right now. He is that guy. And so don't act shocked. And Grizzlies fans kind of take it, have always had that chip on their shoulder. Small market, you know, don't pick mm-hmm. on us. We rep our own. And Jaws, that to another yeah. level within his himself. Yeah. You know, he's always had that chip on his shoulder, unrecruited, small, you know, small school guy coming to the NBA. And now – and now, you know, he can – I mean, the chip on his shoulder is, is never going to be no. bigger than it is oh, right no. now to prove everybody wrong because these people did forget about you. Yeah. And they forgot who you were. They forgot what you were capable of. And so, down the stretch, I mean, all bets are yeah. off. I, I think this team is, is good. I think anything with John Morant on good. it is good. You look uh, – Marcus Smart was doubtful for tonight, which means he was not out. He was not – you know, it was just not a – he's not playing. It was that uh, he may play – Turns out it just came out he's not going to play tonight, but it puts him on track to play Saturday night uh, against Atlanta. I think mm-hmm. that's when Marcus Smart will make his return. Luke Kennard is coming around mm-hmm. the corner. Uh, they've said – I think they've kind of slow played yeah. both of them. Get to, to this point. To coincide this with And John. did you see they, Instagram yesterday? I was going to ask you your physical therapist's opinion about this. Uh, Brandon Clark, who late in – after the All-Star break last season – Tore, ruptured his yeah. Achilles on the court. Uh, yesterday, he put on his Instagram story of him with two-handed dunking, yeah. you know, with one-step dunking. 
Uh, was there anything from that YouTube video <clears throat> as a physical therapist, as a doctor of physical therapy that you saw that, because to me it looked like he didn't have much spring. <laughs> that wasn't as high as he used to jump, so, you know, but it's rehab. You know, he said rehab milestone. He is able to right. dunk now. It'll only get better. But once you get to that point, what's next? what do you look for? Next? I think that he's going to get his bounce back. The fact that he's already doing that, Drew, we're not even a year removed from one of the most catastrophic injuries that an NBA player could possibly have <clears throat> in an Achilles rupture. I mean, any athlete, but especially an athlete like Brandon Clark, whose whole game is bounce around the rim. He's that guy that's underneath the goal that comes up and puts those dunks back, grabs those rebounds. That's his whole game. And the fact that he is, we're what? We're in December. He tore that, what was it, February? I can't remember I think the it was in, it was, it was post I think it was late February, February early March. All games are typically in February. It was late February, early yeah. March. And it's, it was in 20 so here, so, I'll put it. It's within So we're eight years. months removed, we'll say. Eight, nine months removed from an Achilles tear. The fact that he's dunking already is significant progress. Now. So what do you look for? Now, now that you have obviously are strong enough to start to mm-hmm. jump, is it now just continuing to gain strength mm-hmm. until you're at this point at this I mean, point he's regained what's called neuromuscular control he can control his ankle he can control his lower leg enough to be able to get that force generation to jump now we got to get the strength back to be able to get that jump higher so the fact that he's at right. this point now we can start doing more plyometrics we can start doing more game type activities to where we're running down the court we're working on that bounce we're doing a lot more jumping we're doing a lot more you know box jumps or squat jumps or deadlift jumps or split squats things that'll help develop those jumping muscles and I think his like his next steps are going to go through the roof. I think I think BC comes back and can play some meaningful minutes for us again. Now, it'll take some time to get back up to game speed. How long do you think it takes to to pre-injury yeah. to get to that level? So, is it because it's kind of like ACL? You know, they say you can come back in a year, but you're not going to be yourself for probably eighteen. It depends months, on the person, you know? and I I think BC because he's so athletic, because he's so young, also that also helps. I think that BC has a real shot. So they're tentatively targeting like a late January return. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, so he told Chris Haynes he wanted to be back around the Yeah, All-Star. so like by, by mid-February. Yeah. Any meaningful basketball for him this year is a massive win. And so right. I, agree I think that, that I, if, if it was me, I would slow play it to the All-Star break. When we come back from the All-Star break, BC gets some minutes off the bench and starts seeing what he can do in a game. At that point, he's going to know whether or not he's going to be able to be a competitive member of this team. And I think that he can, based on what we've seen so far. But it just depends on how. So we've got to the point. We've got through the hard stuff. We're back to where we're doing game-type activities. Now, can we take that next step to that elite game-type activity like he has been? So what always has been my concern, it was my concern when he got injured, is that his game is solely reliant on his athletic mm-hmm. ability he's not a shooter if he was a shooter you could almost rush him back and you know you can you can shoot with space you don't have to jump much it's not a very rigorous right. process but what he is what he is benefit what he does the best is jump yeah. i mean to put it in simple terms he is great rebounder offensively and defensively yeah. and he finishes alley-oops on offense yeah. and so uh that is what makes me uh like he's not that's type of player that would be he can't go out at 75 percent and be useful i'm scared he would just be a bad basketball player at 75 percent you know what i'm saying he needs to be able to be at 100 percent given what he is asked to do 
And so that's what makes me wonder, like, when can he be pre-injury Brandon Clark? Sure. Because I'm I'm almost scared that Brandon Clark jumping at 80% of what he was is just a not good basketball And player. so you, you have know? to take the expectations for this year. Like, he might come back at 90% right. of what he used to be. And, again, for a role player, that's going to be a win. Spot minutes, you can probably get to 100%, and, 100% in short And where, where do we need help the most right now? That's in the post. Where in the post. Because we're getting yeah. cooked night in and night out. Biombo hadn't been the guy we thought he was going to be. Uh, welcome to the Backwards Hat Club, sir. Uh, like, there's like yeah. there's there's a glaring miss there without Steven friggin' Adams. I'm still salty about that. But, yeah. like, that's where we Biombo's need. Biombo's been really good. Uh, yeah. He's just – he's, 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 he's not – he's a boat anchor. That's it. Like, he is an offensive he, hole. He doesn't get the no. ball moving like he – like – like Stephen Adams <laughs> exactly was starting the action exactly, and so we need Brandon Clark's like athletic that. ability in the post to be able to score for those putback dunks put back. and the, and and those big time plays that we need down the stretch. Can he give us those minutes? Absolutely. Is he going to be a thirty minute a night guy this year? No, but I think no. a 15, 18 minute of competitive basketball off the bench, giving Trip a rest, giving Biombo a rest, giving X a rest is where he's going to be. And if you can get fifteen to eighteen quality minutes, and in those fifteen minutes, let's say he gets seven points and four rebounds, that's a phenomenal night. That's a yeah. phenomenal night. I mean, honestly, it's your backup four right now, Santi yeah. Aldama. Santi's got his role, but it's not uh, as a re- as <laughs> yeah, a rebounder, He ain't got know? enough lead in his britches to be able to do that. No, he doesn't. And uh, R.I.P. Kenny Lawton mm. Jr., uh, he couldn't stay off a snack <laughs> to be useful. Can't uh, relate. It, it's what I, I can't do. I mean, let me be honest. I cannot throw stones. It's Christmas tree cake and, season. And a guy who, who, who says, you know, I can't. It's, it's wrong of me to sit in here in a leather recliner, you know, 30 to 40 pounds overweight and say that Kenny Lofton should have lost weight. But that is his yeah. job. Like my job is not an athlete, to be an athletic specimen, you know. Uh, so he had his opportunity. What, what every young kid coming out of college wants is just the opportunity to play. And it was right in front of him. All he had to do was put in the work to be in shape, and he was yep. not. And it – and because of that, he fell victim to a roster. Yeah, crunch. he did. And so, Bismack Biombo, we had no choice but to sign him for the rest mm-hmm. of the season because you have no other five mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. team. And so, uh, R.I.P. Kenny Lofton, yeah. but it just goes to show you the lack of depth that we've got, and you could really use somebody <laughs> like Brandon yeah. Clark to come back in, and it's something to keep an eye on. Go yeah, I mean, forward. I got asked about that today by one of my coworkers here at my new clinic. He said, you know, what about them letting Kenny Lofton Jr. go? Wasn't he, like, a great player? I'm like, yeah, he's a walking bucket some nights. Out, offensively, he is he, – there is no problem But he is a defensive off. liability, man. He couldn't guard he is anybody. Like a, a less athletic Zion. He couldn't guard – yeah, right? He couldn't guard <laughs> nobody. I'm telling you, we watched Zion play. The, the uh, Pelicans went on, like, a 26-3 to three yeah. run. Uh, in the second quarter of that game last Tuesday, and it's because Zion picked up his third yeah. foul. Like he was such, he was so bad, yeah. and and he was mad at foul. I mean, he was mad at referees and officials. Like he's he's mad at old Mariah Mills yeah. again. She's back in the news. One of my favorite things I mean, that he just got he's got it wrong. One of, speaking of getting mad, one of my favorite things that happened was at the end of the first half when Vince Williams knocked down that three in CJ McCollum's face, and then he barked at him, let him know about it. I'm like. Dude, let's yeah. go. <laughs> Listen. And we've been Vince missing Williams, that, though. Like, a lot of that is what job job brings that attitude back. We've been missing some of that attitude this year that we normally have. You know, it reminds me of when 
this was right as I was getting into the Grizzlies. Uh, the core four was just starting to take that climb, mm-hmm. and everybody was, they were getting fun, they were getting good. And Tony Allen was on the bench for Xavier Henry. And every time Tony Allen came in the game, it was like you're making winning mm-hmm. plays. It never showed up in the stat sheet, but you're always winning. Tony Allen is yeah. in the game. And then what happened? Xavier Henry blew out his knee. Tony Allen got got minutes, and it became undeniable. The coach had the no legend choice was born. but to play Tony Allen. Vince Williams had no business playing. Nobody wanted Vince Williams to play. The coaching staff, the front office, he's a two-way guy. He had no business playing this season, but because of injuries to Smart and Kennard and the other option being Jacob Gilliard yeah. and John Morant's suspension, like – you had no choice but to play Vince Williams Jr. And now Vince Williams Jr. has played so well that the front office and the coaching staff has no right. choice but to play Vince Williams. It's, it is a success story that is so fun to root for because this guy, it was he was a late-round draft pick, a flyer that they took. They've missed on every wing that they've taken after Brandon Clark. Yeah. And, and for that guy to hit – and to be a 3-and-D guy that knows his mm-hmm. role and does not stretch his role, uh, just perfectly plays the role that's assigned to him, I mean, it's a guy that you – I mean, for example, the other night against the Pelicans, in 35 minutes he was 50% from the field, 60% from beyond the arc. He had seven rebounds and nine points. And a guy like Vince Williams, that is a quality stat line. That he is stepping in. He made some big buckets. He got some big boards. But very similar to Tony Allen, he also made a lot of plays that don't show up in the stat sheet. He didn't get any steals, but he was in a lot of passing lanes, and he was in the right place at the, at the right time a lot. So getting Marcus Smart back is going to cut back into Vince Williams' his, his minutes. But how the front office plays this Vince Williams role going forward and Taylor Jenkins will tell me a lot about them because the guy is just, like like you said, <clears throat> Tony Allen-esque, the guy's just a winner. When we, he's on the well, floor, I mean, we're a better basketball team. You've put the team, and we've talked about having you're starting to run into money crunches when you start paying three guys big, big money. money. But right now, if you put money aside, and you say, "Okay, I've got a, t- I've spent a tenth, a number ten pick on Zaire Williams, I have spent a number, I think seventeen pick on Jake mm-hmm. Ravia, and I've spent a second round, fortieth, fiftieth pick on Vince Williams." Vince Williams is the best of those three right. players. I mean, uh, you've got a lot more draft capital in Zaire Williams. I mean, you traded Jonas Valanciunas yeah. for him. Uh, you, you traded, a, you know, Jonas Valanciunas in a swap, you know. Yep. And then you you pack, I think you moved up in the draft to get LaRavia. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, the one that they hit on was the least likely. Yep. And it's because he's a dog, he's just, man. He, just he, he, got, he got that dog in him, 100%. And guys just – Take that x-ray. You'll you see, see that dog, dog in him, man. And he's just got that – he's just a gamer. That's what he is, man. And and right. watching him develop this year has been a ton of fun. They got to find some minutes for him off the bench. But, like, we're coming to that point. This It's curious <clears throat> what it turns into, what his role turns mm-hmm. into uh, once Kennard and Smart mm-hmm. comes back. I think he'll be that last guy off the mm-hmm. bench. He'll, he'll get spot minutes. He'll, he'll be in in defensive lineups. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't – you know, a, a defensive unit that's got him, Marcus Smart, and Jaron Jackson Jr. in it is going to be the best. 100%. In the uh, and then guys like LaRavia and Zaire Williams are going to be spending time at the yeah. hustle. Like, that's the only time they're going to get any That's run. it, man. And because uh, 
it's just kind of over. Because we're coming up to a point in the season. We're going to have a starting lineup of Ja, Marcus Smart, Dez, Jaron, and Biombo. And that is going to be, especially that's another core four right there that's going to be tough. If Marcus Smart can stay healthy and accept his role as like the fourth scorer on offense, but that defensive and that leader, and that's what I'm nervous. I was just about to say he can be that leader, but I'm nervous as whether or not he'll accept that role. I'm curious if he doesn't. Uh, down the stretch, we end up with a scenario kind of like he was in at Boston where when everybody was healthy at Boston, he was the sixth mm-hmm. man. He was running the show for the second team, and he was extremely beneficial mm-hmm. there. Boston was at their best when Marcus Smart was not the first-team point guard. They got Brogdon in there, and now it's Drew Holiday. But they got Brogdon in there to run – or uh, not Brogdon, um, um, the Derek – uh, Derek, uh, Derek White. White, yeah, from Boston, yeah. That when they, yeah, he was an mm-hmm. he when he took over the starting point guard job uh, late in the season in the playoffs. That's when Boston was at their right. best, and it's it's just it's and, it fit both players well because because at um, Marcus Smart at his best was leading the troop of the second guys and able to get his shot off, you know, kind of run the thing and do what he wants, play. Yeah. And shout out Derek White finally getting a haircut, man. His his hairline was farther back oh, than man. both of ours combined. <laughs> if if mine ever looks like that, tell me. Hundred percent same, man. If it gets past my ears, just let's have an intervention where I <laughs> shave my head. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, I do want to make a quick comment um, as we start to wrap up this podcast. Um, the trophy <sighs> over your right no, shoulder. It's been a good year. It's been fun being the champ for a year, Drew. You know. Um, and I'll, I'll say this. The Mad Titans have laid a foundation for successful seasons going forward. <laughs> we were counted out from the beginning. I heard snickers on draft night about how bad my team was. And all we did was – I stand by we, All we did was post the by. best regular season record in the league. And then we fizzled out on the back of freaking A.J. Brown. Not only is he – You're the Dallas He Cowboys. screws my Tennessee Titans. <laughs> and I screwed the Mad Titans. By not performing on Monday Night Football, like on the biggest stage, I needed uh, 19 points from him. And, I mean, the guy's capable yeah. of it. And we just absolutely crapped the oh, bed. Yeah, and yeah. the worst part was, Drew, I had a, like a 68, 69% chance of winning that matchup until yeah. halftime of Monday Night Football. And, like, during well, halftime, it switched. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I had that same thing. So, about halfway through, and I don't know where this happened. This is an honest mistake. Uh, I just reset the league like I do every single year. And all the settings are the same. But for somehow – we only have one week playoffs yeah. this year, and I couldn't reset it. I don't know what the problem was, uh, but I realized it. But halfway through Sunday, and at that point, that you for sure couldn't change mm-hmm. it. But I called Rusty, and I was like, "Hey, uh, so last year was it just one week playoffs? I wasn't a part of the playoffs <laughs> last year, uh, and so I said, did I miss something last year?" And he said, "No, it was two week two week games in the playoffs, and so I, I don't know what happened." But at that time, I was like, "Well, I'm done." Because I'm playing Hunter, who is actually the best team <laughs> in the league. Uh, and he just got all kinds of horses. And and I'm down big. And, Rusty, you're up big. So, it's going to be like a rematch of last year. And yep. then it flipped. And for me, it flipped because James Cook went mm-hmm. nuclear. And then Joe Brady, Joe Burrows, former OC at LSU, took the – took over play calling and the offensive coordinator roles when they fired Ken yeah. Dorsey in Buffalo. And he just decided he was going to run the ball down Dallas. <laughs> and they did. Uh, it worked great for me. It was a perfect matchup because 
I had James Cook and Hunter, who was projected to beat the tar out of me because my early game guy just didn't perform. Keenan Allen's hurt and was out the whole nine yards. I thought I was toast. But I had James Cook, and Hunter had Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and um, the tight end, Kincaid, mm-hmm. had the three-way Buffalo stack, and they did not throw the ball at all mm. <laughs> the whole game. And so Kincaid had a goose egg. I think Diggs had like seven points, and Josh Allen had like 15 or something. Totally pedestrian for Josh Mm -hmm. Allen. And James Cook flipped it with like a 37-point game. And and at that point, I needed needed three points going into Sunday night football. And I had uh, McManus, the Jaguars kicker, going against – the Ravens, yeah. okay? I needed three points. <clears throat> McManus missed two field goals in the first half, didn't kick any of the second half, and I left Sunday Night Football down by four <laughs> points. <laughs> and and all I had to do was get four points from Tyler Lockett on Monday night. And you know how much he got me? Five. Five. <laughs> I mean, just razor-thin mm-hmm. margins. My wife – Congratulations, Haley. I, she came down here a minute ago. If you saw me conversating to the side earlier, uh, this is what she brought me. Look at oh that, Rusty. We gosh. got some pork chops and mac and cheese and some some uh, homemade sweet potatoes. Oh. I mean, I can't wait to. I'm so I gotta hungry. Brag You're on killing her. me. I got to brag on her for the food, and I've also got to brag on her because she made it into the finals of our family league by a half of a oh point. Took out the one Let's seed. Go. He fit. Her brother-in-law uh, from South Carolina, his name is Sean. He does not listen to this podcast because he is weird, <laughs> obviously. Because there's two types of people in this world, people that love this podcast and weirdos. 100%. Uh, he finished the regular season like 11-3. and three, And two of the losses were to Haley. <laughs> and then she beat him in the playoffs. She got that number, baby. <laughs> so, yeah, she just had his number. 100%. And uh, so she's in the finals. Uh, she had an upset <clears throat> on the other side of the bracket where the – the, I mean, the top two seeds in that league clinched in, like, week yeah. eight. I mean, they were just dominant. And uh, and so they, it's a 3-4 seed in the finals. I'm like, honey, I think you got yeah. it. Like, we, And so – but but your boy is playing lump, a boy lump in the finals. It's a one-week finals, all or nothing. Yeah. I mean, this feels like an old-school Aaron Burr versus – Alexander Hamilton duel out yeah. back. What you every each of you get one shot. Whoever lands, I love it. it. Whoever lands it gets that trophy over Rusty's right shoulder. Next week, <laughs> that's it, man. You know we don't talk about it much, but the Witten Family League, the Slum Dunder Mifflin Airs, are twelve and two, and we're we're heading towards another championship in that league. It's one of the easier leagues that I'm in. Like shout out to my family, I love them. But like you play with like foreign, there's right. <laughs> like, they, they, they think it's the other kind There's of There's nine teams in this league, man. And so, like, I was able to draft uh, Christian McCaffrey, Stephon Diggs uh, pretty early on in this draft. Like, I got CMC because my brother runs it with two quarterbacks in a quarterback-heavy league. So, you want to get quarterbacks early. Yeah. I was the last pick. I was the ninth pick of the first round and took Christian McCaffrey at, at position 1.9. Like, you took – McCaffrey digs at yeah, the turn. Yeah, McCaffrey digs. Nobody else wow. does that. Like nobody else drafted yeah. CMC at position nine, except the Slumped Under Mifflin Airs and the Witten Family League. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me just brag on myself for a minute as well. Back to the League of Avengers. 
Uh, your boy had the number one pick, and everybody's like, oh, oh, you made it to the finals with the number one pick. My number one pick was <laughs> Justin Jefferson, who broke his leg <laughs> in, like, the fifth week, has came back last week to limp after the first quarter back to the locker room, never to come back, and then put up a fine week this week. With the number one pick in a 12-team yeah. league, your boy's in the yeah. finals. Let me shout out, man. And Not bad. for one reason – Keenan yep. Allen, my man, Keenan Allen, who is now hurt. <laughs> if death taxes and Keenan <laughs> Allen's going to get hurt at some point in the football yeah. season. And, and if he does come back, he's got freaking Easton <laughs> Stick throwing in the ball. Yeah, on a, <laughs> on a team that should be dominating, 13-1. and one. I mean, you hope, they, you hope they rally behind the fact that they, they're – Bonehead coach, much like uh, uh, Las Vegas has with Antonio Pierce. How right. how that dude is not the head coach next year is like if he's not the head coach next year, they all need to be gone because that dude has rallied well, those he's troops. He's not going to be the head coach next year because old bowl cut never makes the right. decision. You're right about that. If he if he's smart, Antonio Pierce is the head coach of that team next year. They fired the head coach and GM, which means there's only one person <laughs> making that hire, and it's old bowl cut. <laughs> Straight out of the kids' right. picks in 1995. You don't want a guy that purposefully has that haircut making any decisions, and he's making all, all of, them. of them right now. Yeah, he may hire Antonio Pierce because Antonio Pierce would be like, "Hire me." He gonna, he gonna walk in that office and say, "The and job Pierce, is mine," and yeah. he's gonna say, "Uh huh, yeah. <laughs> uh huh, yeah." So I hope Antonio. Pierce I do. Gets I, do it. Too. I love watching former oh players, God. especially defenders that have like personalities. Like you remember their personalities yeah. when they were yeah. playing football. Like it's not like a quarterback yeah. or you know like you have uh, the O'Connell guy from um, uh, Minnesota, mm-hmm. or you have Sean Payton, or you have all these former, you know Frank mm-hmm. Wright or Doug McDermott. Or not Doug McDermott. What's the guy in Jacksonville? Oh, uh, um, Peterson. Uh, Doug Peterson. Peterson. Doug Peterson. You know, they all played quarterback, right. but they were just kind of yeah. fine. Yeah. You know, to have a linebacker with personality yeah. and like like Vrabel yeah. and like Antonio yeah. Pierce, like those guys, <laughs> like like old boy at – D'Amico uh, Ryans uh, in Houston, Houston D'Amico, D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans. Like those guys are yeah. fun. Like you know that that, that locker room is yeah. fun. They'll go to war yeah. for those yeah. guys. Yeah, 100%, man, 100%. The only reason why Ray Lewis is not a head coach, if we're all being honest, because he, he killed somebody and got away with it. <laughs> They're afraid he'd do it again. Him and OJ. If the glove does not fit, you must acquit. (laughs) So, uh, Rusty, uh, that was a successful podcast. I think we're about done. Uh, You got my blood pressure up uh, for no reason at all, despite us thinking we're going to have a fun podcast here and and have have, uh, enjoy one of our seven wins this year. Yeah. Uh, But you're not going to take me down, though. No, because we fit to go. That trophy right there. Trophy right well, there. We're going to move that out of frame. We're, we're right. going to talk about how the Grizz is going to beat the Pacers tonight. We're back on our winning ways. We're that team that's now coming in your house. You come into our crib. You don't want to be there because we fist and beat you up, man. Like, the, Is it parade to sign my Yes, back, baby. Jock kept those receipts. He looks healthy. He looked good. He played a ton of minutes last night and or Tuesday night and didn't look fatigued at all. And so Jai is back. His minutes are only going to get more. He's only going to get better. And if we can continue to get the same type production out of Jaron and Dez, watch out. And you old Miss Rebels are 11-0, one of three teams in the country that are undefeated. It's the Revs, the Houston Cougars, and the James Madison <laughs> Colonials. Or Colonels. What? I don't Bulldogs. know. Bulldogs. 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 Uh, anyways. Uh, and – the Ole Miss Rebels just continue to dominate the transfer portal. 
Walter no one's coming. He's just being a little They're the he, Dukes. He's being a little hard to get. The Dukes. The Dukes. So uh Walter Nolan, come home. Come play for the Ole Miss Rebels. We'd love to have you. Don't listen to all the outside noise. We got everybody else. Don't think you're better than uh, don't think you're better than everybody else. Everybody else wants to come play for Ole Miss. You're obviously missing something if you don't. I mean, even those Mississippi State fellas want to come uh, play at Ole Miss. Oh yeah, you go get the Cameron Richardson, trash, your best no, corner. Trash. Like he had it. He he. No, like for real. Pro Football Focus graded him out. He would have been our best cornerback. That's sad year. because he was like, he was he was not good in pass defense. He made a ton of tackles, but he got cooked. Go watch the LSU game. Yeah. He got cooked. Cooked. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> I'm not going to put much stock in that because uh, those receivers and that quarterback. Yeah, cooked. <laughs> like, yeah, everybody's anyway, cooked. So. That's our episode for this week. Thanks for coming out of Two Buck Sports Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, all platforms, YouTube. I want to start getting more active. We're going to start start getting more active on Instagram again, getting our followers back involved. We're heading into a dead season. Be on the lookout for some polls and for some questions for us to kind of banter back and forth about. Follow us there at the Two Buck Sports Podcast. That's the number two Buck Sports Podcast on Instagram, Twitter. We're on Facebook. Wherever you get your social medias, we're there. Come check us out. Interact with us. We love when our fans do. We love when y'all talk to us. Tell us where we're wrong, where we're right. Shout out Cousin Kirk giving us uh, posts on Twitter. Appreciate you, man, being a faithful listener. Drew, that's all I got for this week. Rusty, I look forward to seeing you Saturday. Uh Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. We're gonna have lunch. Let's go. Saturday. We're gonna we're gonna have a good time. You're gonna get your Christmas present. I've been excited. You're gonna about get it. yours. I'm so uh, excited about it. You you're gonna hand me that trophy. <laughs> and but for right now, you're just gonna play that music and we'll see y'all again next week. A little early next week. We're gonna record on Monday or Tuesday night because it is Christmas. We got family coming in, we got everything going on. We'll work it out to where we can record a little Maybe Tuesday night, Tuesday, Tuesday Wednesday, night, Wednesday night, Tuesday. we'll figure it out. But be on the lookout for that. Turn your notifications on. Get our podcast. Download. Share with a friend who might want to listen to us. We'll see you all next week.